Welcome to the Q Podcast, conversations in digital media where we discuss current trends, valuable tactics, and strategy in the digital marketing space. I'm your host, Zach Hornsey, Vice President of Client Success here at Q1 Media. My guests today are Laura Spiker, VP of Partner Success, and Ellie Minan, Director of Advertising Operations at NIR. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Hey. Thank you for joining me. Excited to have you all in. Yeah, long, excited to be here. Decade-long partner with Q1 <laughs> Media. We've, we've wanted to get you guys on the podcast for a while, so we're really excited to have you. Yeah, it's great. So uh, let's start off, give a quick background on both you guys, uh, what you do with NIR, and, um, and then we'll kind of jump into NIR and, you know, and what's, what's happening with you guys. Yeah, uh, so I'm Ellie Minan. I am the Director of Advertising Operations at NIR, um, and I've been with the company for just over five years. My five-year anniversary was earlier this month, um, and what I do essentially is you know, work with our partners on our advertising platform um, and our measurement and attribution and you know, make sure their uh, campaigns are successful and uh, get up everybody everything they need. Amazing. Awesome. Yeah. I'm Laura Spiker, uh, VP of Partner Success at NIR. I've been with the company for over 10 years. Uh, I actually started out running advertising operations prior to um, Ellie taking it over. So very familiar with, you know, the process of executing campaigns and making sure they're successful. And now just transitioned to a role working with partners, making sure that they are utilizing our products to the best uh, possible way and educating clients and making them successful. Wow. Decade long. That's right. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's myself. I'm, I've been with Q1 11 years. So it's amazing. Five years, a de- you know, 10 years. It's fantastic. Just shows the, you know, the company you guys work for near people, you know, sticking with the company and loving the culture and everything there. So let's jump into it right away. Uh, if, if you guys aren't too familiar with Near, they were formerly uh, Uber Media or UM, and I'd like to kick it over to my guests and kind of just give us the background on kind of the transition from, of Uber Media to the merger into Near as well. Yeah, so at, as Uber Media, you know, we started off as a mobile app publisher and then transitioned to, um, you know, being more of a technology platform um, with a DSB hooked up into you know, multiple sources of mobile in-app inventory and the ability to create audiences on that inventory based on location, where people have visited, and then also measuring the effectiveness of that. Over time, we realized, hey, we have a lot of really powerful location data. We should start storing it. And that's when we transitioned to more of a location business intelligence platform and really started doubling down on those efforts. So we um, source data from several different partners um, and are very rigorous in like the cleansing and filtering process of it, making sure that the data is really high quality. So NEAR is actually, you know, gives us a global presence. They are uh, very successful in the APAC region and we're looking for a U.S. partner and they really valued the same types of things that we did, which was, you know, data at high scale and good quality with a lot of transparency. So it was a natural partnership for us, and we're super excited to be a part of NEAR now. And, um, you know, we're essentially representing the United States. Yeah, it's a really complementary uh, relationship between the two businesses. Um, like Laura said, we had a great U.S. presence in North America with, you know, everything we do in Mexico and Canada as well. And they had the APAC region, and they recently also merged with a company um, out of France 
for the EU presence as well. And so um, we have a lot of complementary products as well with the DSPs and measurement, um, but then also just all the location data and the different ways we leverage it across the board. So it is great because it gives us even more products and things to offer to people and to help keep expanding our reach. Yep. Gotcha. More data and double the engineers. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. You, and when did you guys finalize the merger with uh, as, as to become near? Uh, end of March, I believe, okay. of this so year was fresh, the yeah. official uh, closing of everything. Amazing. Yes. Yeah, and I think I read online, um, so you guys, so Uber was how many people in the company? Uber Media was? About 60, about 60, I'd say. Yep. And now you guys are over 200 plus now that you are now near. So yeah. you guys are We recently growing. had like an all-company <laughs> meeting, and it was crazy because it was just, you know, 200 plus people on a Zoom call, which we've never had that, yes. like as... Wow. Uber Media previously, you know, 60, 65 people and everything. Yes. So it was, it was nice to see everybody and, like, you know, yeah. just know that we, we've grown so much. Also at 9 o'clock at night to accommodate <laughs> yeah, all the uh, time zones. <laughs> there's a lot of time zone uh, work we have to do now, but, it, yeah. you know, it's worth it. Yeah, I, th- I feel like that's the way a lot of this is in our industry is that you do have these teams that are, you know, international as well or, or parts of the company that are now international and have offices all over the world. And, Unfortunately, that's part of it. You just have to kind of mold and and adjust to these different time zones. And you may you may be on a Zoom call at nine o'clock at night or or four in the morning. You know, it's not every day, but it is it, it is a way to get everybody together face to face. And I think that's what really makes this business and this industry amazing is that getting people face to face or on Zoom calls and seeing all the different individuals and different types of people they have in the company really what is what makes a company strong. Great. Well, I actually want to jump into this topic really quickly because I think, uh, you know, what a a lot of our listeners are very interested in, and I know that y'all are kind of leading the charge in the industry on this, and that's the, you know, the changes with iOS and the potential, you know, death of cookies or cookie apocalypse, whatever they're calling, and, you know, who knows, two years now, but it could be longer. Um, So you guys have actual a patent um, product called Proxima that is helping kind of lead the charge for the industry on this. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about what Proxima is and how it's going to help, uh, you know, advertisers and agencies out there that are a little, or that are really worried about what iOS changes are going to do for their business or the, the potential death of cookies is going to do for their business. Yeah. Well, I think it goes back to, you know, the scale of our data because we have so much data coming from so many different sources. We're essentially able to synthesize all of that and take all these different signals and combine them together to create our own um, ID, Proxima ID. So there's a lot more information that comes through. Um, in even like an ad request than just the mobile advertising ID. There's an IP address, there's a timestamp, there's the user agent, there might be the app that they were on. Um, and then because we also have, you know, hashed email, hashed phone number, there's so many different data sources that we're able to say, okay, even though we may not have this mobile ad ID that we used to use sort of as a foolproof way to connect all of the dots, we have so much other data that we can synthesize it to create, you know, a single unified ID and still feel very confident that this ID is this same person. Yeah, it's a great way to be able to also just ingest different data that clients have. Um, A lot of times they have email lists, but they don't have, you know, any other kind of identifier. So 
like looking forward, being able to ingest any kind of CRM data or just different things that a client might have. And then internally we can identify and say, we know that this is this person by this proximate ID based on all the other data we have, and then still be able to target them and create audiences and measure campaigns. Um, It'll be really good just with the way privacy is moving, which is great. And we're 100% all for any kind of user privacy. Um, But the way it's moving, you know, it's just going to get more and more privacy centric, which is good. So being able to have a plan for that in the future and um, not really lose any kind of uh, use cases on our side and really just add more use cases actually um, is a great thing. Gotcha. So have you guys seen, I mean, there's a lot of articles, the doom and gloom articles out there with iOS 14 updates. Have you guys seen a pretty big shrinkage when it comes to the, the potential I, Apple iOS users since they've launched this? Have you guys kind of seen it remain kind of even? How, do, how What have you seen? We have seen um, a decline in iOS-specific devices from the U.S. So looking globally, um, in general, Android is more popular globally than it is uh, like within the U.S. So globally, there's not really that much of a change. Um, in terms of actual iOS devices we see in the U.S., there has been a decline, but when you look at the full picture of total devices that we see, Mm -hmm. we're steady, if not growing month over month, of total unique and monthly active users we see because iOS is part of the pie. So that little part shrank a little bit, but the entire thing is still pretty big. Um, And like Laura said, with all the sources we have as well, we were planning for iOS 14 for a very long time. So we added more sources. We did a lot of things to help mitigate any changes that we were going to see because it was impossible to not see any changes. Absolutely. That's why, you know, you guys are one of our our biggest partners is because we knew that y'all were out there in front of all of this and working, you know, two years, you know, 18 months, two years before any of this happened because you knew that was coming. Um, So, uh, so let's say I'm a small business owner and I'm going to run a digital campaign and I am a little bit worried. I might be putting you guys a little bit on the spot here, but I'm a little bit worried that I'm not going to be able to hit my entire audience because of this iOS uh, 14 update. I mean, is there a name that you guys would say to them that, to tell them, don't worry, you know, Proxima is here to help you, and it's, you know, you're not going to lose that audience. You're still going to have both Android audience and iOS audience as well. Yeah, I think that's exactly what we would say. I mean, starting off, as Ellie mentioned, the decline isn't that significant, but yeah. over time, we obviously have to plan to move forward with yeah. using our Proxima IDs for executing all campaigns and for measurement. So with this technology, which has a patent in the U.S., so that's exciting for yeah. us, um, we can still identify the same volume of devices that we had in the past. Yeah, so. yeah I think it's it's... Definitely scary, and the articles you see out there about the entire industry will be dead um, are a little dramatic. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it's something that everybody's been preparing for, and it's hitting everybody in the entire industry. So being prepared for it and looking ahead with Proxima and how we'll be able to deal with everything in great scale is important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what we'll do, too, with this podcast, we'll also release some information on our podcast page about Proxima, because I think that's important for, you know, our listeners and things like that to to see what, you know, exactly what it is and how it's going to help and, and be there for you. Uh, 
Uh, all right, next up I want to talk about is um, something you guys mentioned to me earlier today, and that was kind of, the, you know, out-of-home placements and, you know, potentially retargeting and, you know, essentially that being, you know, if you're you're driving down the road and you see a billboard and then being able to potentially retarget that person that maybe saw that billboard. So this is, to me, a starting to be a growing part of our, our industry and our business. Um, you guys, you know, helping us kind of be at the forefront of that. So I kind of kind of like to understand a little bit more about how retarding uh, out-of-home placements, things like that works with Uber. I'm sorry, with near <laughs> or <laughs> yeah. you slip there. Uh, yeah, there's a few different ways with um, out of home that we've worked with people and with you guys before. And, you know, one of the most common ways is you have a client that they have billboards or they have uh, like poster placements or other out of home yeah. things. Um, it's very easy for us to use that long point and put a little radius around it yeah. or even just draw, hand draw around a mm-hmm. specific area and use that polygon to create an audience. People who have been there, um, devices seen within that radius during the time frame that the billboard was up. Um, and that, so that's been something we've done with a lot of clients, actually, just because they're, you know, it's complementary to, well, we're hitting them on this highway, so let's also hit them with this in-app ad. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing we've seen become more common, too, is uh, doing measurement or attribution uh, with out-of-home placements. So using those devices we see near those billboards that saw them and then being able to say, did they show up in your store's location later? So, yeah. um, and, and I think that's really cool because it's a way to give more tangible results and real-life results to a client to show that this is working or this isn't working and maybe yeah. your ad spend should be somewhere else. So... If I if I heard you correctly, so you're saying if I if I'm if I pass a billboard and an I uh, for a business, let's say we were talking about pools earlier. Earlier, I see a pool billboard, and I actually didn't go into that business. You guys are able to track that, correct? Yeah, from the billboard. We can, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can see you from the billboard by you know placing a radius around it, and we see okay. like your device come by on that. Um, but on the measurement side, we can, uh, without getting into the like weeds too much, we can create an impression log based on all the devices that we're seeing in a time frame okay. by those polygons or those billboards and then use that to then say, did they show up in your retail location later, your brick-and-mortar location? That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. and just to, maybe to take a step back to really understand the power of how precise mobile location data is, but a person has apps on their phone when they've opted in, that app is sharing the latitude and longitude from the GPS of the device, and that's what we're using. So the same GPS that we all use to get directions to our friend's house is the GPS data that we're using. So it's very precise, and when we're creating boundaries around billboards or you know your pool location or your restaurant, yeah. we're able to say, hey, these device IDs were passing latitude and longitude from their wow. device in this location. So we... 100% know that they, that that's pretty much where they were. I mean, as accurate as we all find GPS data to be. I mean, yeah, you, you don't have like a <laughs> like a point in radius. They were within a half a mile of yeah. here or something. We yeah. know that they were inside these boundaries, and so it's as accurate as it can be. And we, like, touched on it a little bit earlier, but, like, with all the data we're ingesting, we're also cleaning it. So we do see sometimes, you know, 
latitude and longitude points are being passed and they look a little sketchy or the pattern is at an angle on a map and that doesn't make any sense. We throw all that out. So the end data that we're working with is very, very accurate and very, very well cleaned. Oh, wow. Yeah, another way that we should actually touch on is we can also pixel a client's website and then see if they show up in a location. So you might have gone to that pool company's website, checked it out, great. Um, how many people that come to your website are also coming into your store? Wow. Help yeah. you understand the effectiveness of, of Yeah, there's website. a there's a lot of flexibility with stuff like that because essentially, you know, it's impression pixels and then we're just using them in different ways to then use for measurement. So we've done it on people on clients websites or we've done it with you know just different placements as opposed to just the traditional way of putting it with an ad placement so we've gotten pretty creative because people have had questions oh can we measure this okay yeah let's figure out how we can do that well and you're trying to figure out what has the best roi in your in your media plan exactly so you want to be able to measure that oh wow yeah it makes sense um yeah so uh I actually, this was something that I recently helped out with. I wanted to give a couple of examples of how uh, Near and Q1 Media have worked together in the past. And one of the examples that I just recently worked on about six months ago, and I think is really fantastic and and unreal, like how in depth and strong your, you guys, your data is, is we had a, a campaign where uh, it was going to be for like a museum in a, in a, in a big uh, DMA here in the United States. But they had not been able to have this event at this museum in 2020 because, obviously, of COVID. Um, so what you guys were able to do for us was you were actually able to take IDs or device IDs from people that attended that event in previous years. And then we were able to actually build a campaign for 2021 to make sure not only were we getting a new audience to try to get to this event at the museum, but we were able to go back and get previous people that went to this event in past years, even though 2020 was skipped, and be able to target those to try to get them back to the same event the next year. So I'd love to kind of touch on that and, and you know, kind of give any more feedback you have on there, because that for us is was such a powerful tool that we were able to bring to that client by partnering with Nair. Yeah, exactly. We've seen a lot of uh, good use cases of stuff like that, especially with, you know, um, the pandemic and everything in 2020, a lot of events and other things. There's a lot less people everywhere. But one of the best things I think um, about us is the historical data that we have. We go back all the way to like 2015, I think, in historical data. So one of the best ways... Um, like obviously advertising wise, you don't have scale looking at a six year old device, but you can leverage the data in a different way. And you can look at people who were at this event or people who visited this uh, city or DMO previously. What, what are the trends with among those people? Like what kind of uh, brands do they like? What kind of other places do we see them in? Um, What kind of like for tourism type things, where do they live? Like what kind of DMAs are the most mm-hmm. popular for visitors and things like that? So the different ways you can leverage the data to get audience insights to figure out, like in that case, how would we build like a lookalike audience or how would we be able to target similar people or, you know, expand this and get more scale? There's just tons of possibilities with all the data and different ways to leverage it. Yep. We can look at people who went to that event and say, great, where else did those people go? Like, are they, you know, 
vacation travelers? Are they going to other cultural events? Are there particular brands that they visit more frequently than the average person? And then, great, we can, those are kind of potential intenders. So those are great ways that we can expand the audience. But, yeah, the data goes back to 2015, and it's only two days delayed. So that creates a lot of flexibility for us when it comes to defining an audience. It's really about whatever the custom boundary is that you want to use and whatever the time frame is. So if there's an event over two days, we can just look at that. Or if we want to look at the last 18 months of a particular location or a competitor's location, we can create audiences that way as well. The, yeah, the flexibility, I think, is one of the best thing like that's something we always stress to people it's just the flexibility like there yeah there's pre-made stuff that we do but there's also in any client situation we can brainstorm and figure out okay this is how we're gonna target this audience or like scale's too small okay how else do we get similar people or things like that so the flexibility and the different ways to leverage everything is I think key yeah I think that's important being able a client to be able to be able to come to you and say hey this is what I want to do and if it's not exactly possible what I want to do, let's brainstorm and find a way that will hit what you're trying to get uh, what you're trying to get at, but let's do it this way instead. And I think that's important. Yeah, I think all clients are looking for those sort of best practices and how to build out their plan. So it's always like trying to understand well, who is the person that you're trying to reach, mm-hmm. and then let's brainstorm together to figure out how we can create that audience. Yeah, and we want the client to be as successful as they yeah. want to be because you know that's good for it's a win-win for everybody when you have a good campaign or you have good success with something um so we're always yeah trying to talk about the best practices or come up with the best way to you know the, here's your starting point but here's what i think will work and what's worked for other people in the past that i think will be successful for you yeah, i think actually one of your um we were chatting with somebody at Q1 just the other day. They have a mall client that's trying to reach sort of mom shoppers for Santa photo ops. It's like, okay, we don't want to just retarget people who've been to the mall. How else do we reach mm-hmm. that? It's like, okay, well, if we're looking for moms, let's look at people who go to um, children's clothing stores. Yeah. So let's, let's day part the audience and look at um, shoppers in a Target only during the day, during the weekdays. Like, Potentially, yeah. that's going to skew more to the stay-at-home mom audience. Like, there's so many different ways to sort of reach the core. Target people who audience. have parent-type apps or, like, small children-type apps on their phone because they're giving it to their kids to play a game or learn the ABCs or something like that. So, yeah, just all sorts of possibilities and things you can do. Yeah, I think be flexible. I think that's mm-hmm. the key right there is don't just, don't just uh, dial into one potential audience there or that you know like you said moms that go to the mall like you're just going to get you're getting you're not going to get everybody else that could potentially moms like you said go to stores that or just as important that are going to eventually go to the mall potentially for santa photos and things like that so yeah it makes complete sense um another one i want to talk about was you know we as q1 media we do a lot of business in the edu space with education uh we work with you guys a lot when it comes to like edu and you know, a lot of what we'll do is we'll have you guys, you know, potentially like, you know, polygon certain universities or things like that, that we want that these EDU partners want to target. So I'd love to get a couple of, you know, thoughts or examples of how you guys are really helping us in the education space and, uh, you know, making sure we're not only hitting potential parents, but also hitting students as well that are, you know, trying to either go back through grad school or or trying to make that college decision. Yeah, a lot of, uh, college 
campaigns we have because we do have a lot with you guys and we've mm-hmm. done a lot historically and it's great to see um, not only targeting students from past semesters or things like that by looking at the campuses uh, what we've also done is most colleges have mailing lists of people who have filled out either admissions forms or they've shown interest or something like that and so something we've done a lot is we take those mailing addresses and we upload them and we create an audience of devices that we've seen within a very tiny boundary that's basically that house and so you know retargeting them using uh, different methods because we know that they were interested in the university or like they're a past student or maybe they recently graduated or something like that and I think that's been big because especially colleges they have tons of mailing lists they have they have all that information so figuring out a way to to use it to reach the target audience is has been pretty big yeah, and I think there's also times where there's, like, feeder community colleges and things like that. And so when we talk about polygoning, what we mean by that is we have a team of people who's using satellite software to hand-draw a boundary around a college. So we feel very confident that within that boundary they were on that particular community college campus. But you, Yeah, using feeder community colleges or feeder high schools a lot because the – the college will know, you know, if it if we get most people from in-state or something like that. So these are the top schools we see people come from. We can easily build an audience of, okay, these are all the people we saw in the last year or last semester that were students there. Let's target them. And so um, it, it's it's been a big growth, I think. We've seen a big growth from you guys with educational yeah. campaigns, which is good to see. Yeah, I think the you know what you just said about you know mailing lists that's you know that's still a big part of education that's still a big part of what these schools are these lists that these schools have by being able to take that and make an actual like list of people to you know device id list to target it's so powerful and it helps these colleges so much so the fact that you're able to bring that to the table for the colleges out there like that. For some of our, a lot of our clients that do that is, is really important for the industry in general and really a massive bonus for us as a company to have you guys on board doing that. Yeah. I think it's a bonus to them too, just because they, they know that information is valuable. So being able to find a way to use it, to hit those people on a different kind of platform or something. um, I think they see the value in it for sure. Well, you know, last thing for me is, I mean, I know you guys, you know, the merger with into near uh, a lot going on. What's what's kind of the next twelve months to you know, fifteen months look like for near? Is it just gonna you know you guys, you know, you guys gonna be you know moving, you know, this way or that? You know, you know, what do you kind of guys have on the roadmap coming up? Growth. It's a lot of growth. <laughs> We've hired a lot of people, and we're yeah. you know adding engineers, and you know, I think figuring out all of the how to how to be one company is our like number one goal um so you're merging a lot of different cultures and different people and all sorts of stuff so that's been fun um i'm on our culture committee which is like uh we have people from all the different companies that have merged together culture ambassador yeah culture ambassador that's what yeah (laughs) so we've been coming up with ways to like make sure everybody's uniform or like that we're all talking to each other and that we're in touch because um, it's important to be, you know, as one company across the board. Um, but I think it's exciting because, like we mentioned before, like we're complementary companies, so coming together as one and being able to offer more products and um, just 
improve upon all the products we already have because of the strength that we have in the U.S. and the strength that they have uh, globally, marrying those two together and be able to offer you guys more products and to be able to just have more reach globally and all that. Yeah, and having a larger um, engineering team is super exciting for us because yeah. we can just take all the feature requests that we get from you guys and say, <laughs> okay, <laughs> do yeah, it Yeah, having more resources is, yeah. is awesome because, I mean, we've been a smaller company for a while, so, I mean, we're used to working on a, a smaller scale, but being able to improve everything and, you know, be the best products that we know we can offer and all that's going to be awesome. Yeah. When thank you guys so much for joining the podcast. Um, you know, Laura and Ellie, you guys are uh, an important part of what's happening right now in the in the industry. And you know, people definitely need to reach out to Nir if they have questions about what some of the stuff we talked about here. We'll put some links and things like that on q1media.com. And I just appreciate you guys coming in and looking forward to finishing uh, 2021 together as as great partners. And I think everybody else uh, should definitely reach out and if they have any questions for you both, and we'll put your information in there as well. Great. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks for, for having us. Yeah, Thank you so us. much. It was fun. Let's go eat lunch. Yes. Deal. I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Q Podcast. If your company would like more information on how to advertise using the in-depth tactics we just discussed today, maybe you're looking to attract new customers, build campaigns to target competitor brands, target a younger audience via the major social media platforms, please reach out to me directly and we can discuss. My email is Zach at Q1media.com. Z-A-C at Q, the number one media.com. Thank you for listening to the Q.